On today's Garnet Community Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Al Ware from the University of Nottingham and Katrina Walker from University of Leeds. And we're talking about a paper just published in Nature Plants, the title of which is Auxin Export from Proximal Fruits Drives the Rest in Temporally Competent Inflorescences. So it's good to see this work published and there's some really great data in this. I know a little bit about the paper because having talked to Katrina previously, I know there's a lot of painful phenotyping that has gone into this work. So it's great to see it out uh, and, and, and it forms a really nice story. So so thanks very much for, for joining me today, guys. It'd be great to give us a, a general overview of, of what you did in the paper, please. I mean, this, this paper really all came about, it's been a very long time in the making, so I think Tom um, started all of this work when he saw the 1994 Hensel et al. paper, when he started his PhD. Um, and he's been thinking about this since then. So then this, it all really kicked off a few years ago when Tom started his lab in Leeds. And that's Tom, that's um, Tom Bennett, right? Your Tom Bennett, yeah. yes. We'll point this out. Tom had this idea of um, global proliferative arrest that was mentioned by Hensel et al., where the idea was there's a global seed-derived signal that brings about a simultaneous global arrest mm -hmm. in Arabidopsis. Um, and now Tom and I noticed um, through some small disagreement um, that arrest in Arabidopsis didn't look very synchronous. So we were totally disagreeing on when the plants had arrested. Um, mm -hmm. And so we basically looked more into that and realised that the arrest process started with the primary inflorescence, so the, the very first branch that initiates a bolting, progresses through the secondary inflorescences that come off the primary and directly from the rosette leaves, mm -hmm. um, and then down through the tertiaries, which come off the secondaries. Um, and this process can take up to about five days. We also observed this process um, that we've been referring to as reflowering, where when the whole plant has finished flowering and all the branches have shut down, you get sometimes these additional smaller branches that develop and still produce fruit. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were really questioning, like, you know, if, if this is taking such a long time, surely it can't be a global simultaneous event. And so we started really looking into this process. So we then did a number of these very, very tedious, time-consuming <laughs> experiments um, where essentially I was just removing open flowers from Arabidopsis and thinking that that would basically have very little effect. So we knew from Hensel that it would, it would delay arrest, but I hadn't really appreciated how dramatic that was going to be. And that ended up being very dramatic and resulting in a huge number of branches being produced, and this went from, you know half an hour a day to full day every day for 30 odd days just pulling flowers off plants and essentially what we saw is if you continue removing the flowers the plants just keep flowering however as soon as you stop and allow them to recover and produce some fruit they will arrest very rapidly we were even more interested in this when we repeated similar experiments um, but just removing fruit from individual inflorescences so the rest of the plant then will arrest as normal. However, these individual inflorescences that have had the fruit removed will delay arrest and will continue flowering. So at this point, we were really very confident that this is a real local process. Yeah, so that kind of makes sense, I would think, thinking about it generally. So 
if the plant was relying on a single inflorescence to decide what the rest of it was doing, then it leaves itself open to to real, you know, a damage of that would really screw up the, the rest of the, the, the fruit set. So it kind of makes sense that each one will develop individually, I suppose. Katrina and Tom had been approaching this from kind of an already fertile plant angle. So they had fertile plants and they were removing fruit. We were working on it with more of a focus on sterile plants. So um, in Zoe's lab, one of the main focuses is MS1, which is a male sterile mutant. And MS1 will just keep flowering, basically, mm -hmm. for uh, up to 80 days, nearly. So one of the things we were interested in was restoring fertility to MS1 and seeing what happened. And thankfully, we had a DEX construct, DEX inducible construct, that if you spray with DEX, then MS1 is expressed and the plants become fertile again. And something that we did was was treat them with a with a limited amount of DEX to try and see if, you know, just a few flowers would induce arrest. And that's kind of picked up in, in figure four of the paper where we show that this DEX application, you're only inducing 45% fertility in the plant and that is capable of inducing arrest and then at that point we were kind of like oh that's that's really interesting you know the plant doesn't need full fruit set to arrest it's not a kind of directly linear cumulative process at least as far as we could tell katrina really has developed on that in the fifth figure of the paper you're taking it to a really high level of detail in terms of removing certain fruits and leaving some well yeah that's the question so i mean the, the data you you have here allows you to be quite confident about like the number of fruit that the that it needs to um, stimulate arrest and versus the position of the fruit as well on the on the stem so can you say something about about that yeah so um the position of the fruit is incredibly important mm -hmm. um i think we discussed in the paper that we've shown that seven fruit are sufficient um, for arrest, but I wouldn't say seven fruit are the fruit that are needed. I think under some circumstances you can have fewer, sometimes it's it's more. Mm -hmm. um, but the position is really, really important. So if you remove the earliest developing fruits, the plant will still rest at a normal time if the later fruits are left untreated. Mm -hmm. um, however, as soon as you remove these later fruits, that's when you start really seeing differences in terms of floral arrest. So it's these fruits that are up near the meristem, so these proximal fruits that are really bringing about arrest. And, and that suggests that there may be a signal coming out of those fruits which affects the arrest, and I believe that goes on to something that Al also looked at. I was sort of wondering how I could investigate kind of quickly and easily what hormones might be involved in relaying the signal from the, from the fruit to the meristem. And the way I went about that was just with hormone applications in a landline carrier, mm -hmm. um, which I was applying to male sterile plants. And what we found from doing that was that if you apply auxin to sterile fruit in a male sterile background, you can induce arrest in that plant. You can induce floral arrest. Um, and something that came out of that data that was really interesting was that arrest only happened after around the 20 day time point so it kind of suggested that there was some kind of temporal sensitivity of the medicine that was only capable of responding to this auxin signal after 20 days 
And we kind of drilled down on that even further and said, so previously we've been applying walks into all of the solutes that were produced on the PI. And that kind of, that brought the kind of flowering dynamics on that stem in line with how it would be in a fertile plant, which was really interesting. So then what we kind of said, which is similar to what Katrina was doing with the limited fruit removals was, you know, if we just apply a limited amount of auxin slightly before the 20 day time point to just the top, I think it was the top 10, just the top 10 fruits mm-hmm. on the PI, does that also induce arrest? And it absolutely did. So it just kind of showed A, that auxin is capable of inducing arrest, but also B, that it's only capable of inducing arrest after this 20 day time point. And you don't need much of it to, to do that. And then we kind of questioned, well, if auxin's capable of doing it, what's what's the situation with auxin and the fruit? And I think there was quite a bit of evidence to suggest that the fruit was a source of auxin and a site of high auxin synthesis. Mm-hmm. So we worked collaboratively with Karen Leung's lab and they did some hormone profiling for us, looking at fertile versus sterile solutes. And there's a really striking difference in auxin concentration between the two. And then we're like, well, this is really good, but again, it doesn't doesn't necessarily quite show what what we need for this. So we also looked using an assay that Tom, I think, had developed quite a number of years previously to look at the auxin content in stems. We looked at how much auxin was exported from fertile versus sterile fruit, which is in line with the with the concentration difference, and we see this drastic reduction in auxin export from sterile fruit versus fertile which really supports the idea that these final fruit that are capable of inducing arrest could be doing so via auxin and it also just brought up another interesting kind of aside which was that there's sort of 100 to 200 picograms of auxin in the in the pa in the pats in the stem in the polar auxin transport stream and the amount of auxin that fruit these fertile fruit at six days post synthesis so well into their development the amount of auxin that they were exporting would contribute pretty much all of all of that potentially once you've got a few of them on the stem Mm -hmm. which you know we thought was was really interesting and you do also see these apical dominance phenotypes as a consequence of sterility Mm -hmm. yeah that's great so i mean that's a fantastic overview of 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 the paper and then the contributions that you both made so so i know al you've moved on to a a different project now but katrina you're still in the lab with tom and and working in this general area so can you just give us a a brief idea of of where this is going next and what you're what you're working on now as you say al's moved on to uh you know bigger and better things but we're we're currently talking again about the next paper so part of this is really looking at processes bringing about arrest and really just what what arrest means and exactly what it is we're talking about and all the ways in which that could occur so that's that's where i'm really focusing on at the minute in the lab but also very much that's what we're kind of hoping we're going to bring out with the next paper a bit more bit more depth and detail well, it's been well. I mean, from both of you, you you're doing this work as as PhD students, and they've both been very productive PhDs. That's that's for sure. So it's it's great to see. So so thanks very much for for talking to us today. It's been uh, it's been really interesting. Thanks very much. Thanks.